Amen. Yeah, we, we were made to run. Uh, we were made to, to be on fire, to, to be passionate, to, to be radical. We weren't made to be comfortable or to be lukewarm. We were made to run. Maple Grove, welcome to day 22 of Pursuit. Oh, what is pursue? It's the, it's the one word that is going to describe everything that we will do during the next three years as we, the Jesus followers in this room, pursue the mission, the actions, and the compassion of Jesus. Now understand, during the next three years, from October the 12th, 2014, to October the 12th, 2017, we are going to pursue living our lives on mission, pursuing the purposes for which God created us individually and as a church with great intentionality. Amen. Maple Grove, never forget that you're supposed to amen me. (laughs) Never forget that you're supposed to show me love, right? We want to have a conversation, right? I didn't come here just to talk at you. I came here to talk with you, right? You know, the Word of God, it's living and it's active, right? It's double A. It's active and it's alive. Now, how should we engage God's Word? Dead or alive, right? We need to be active and engaged this morning. All right. Amen. Bring it. And never forget that each of us were created by God and for his purposes. Understand, there is a person that you were created to be, and there are good things that God planned for you to do long before you took your very first breath. For we are God's masterpiece. His poem, that's the Greek word poema. We are God's poem. He he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And listen, there could be no greater tragedy than for you and I to get to the end of our lives and found out that we missed out on living the very life that we were created to live. Sure, we may have done some good and okay stuff, but we still didn't do the stuff that the Creator breathed in us when He formed our bodies inside our mother's womb, right? It's like that hammer I had two weeks ago, right? I said, here's a hammer, right? It's really not there. If you can see it, we'll talk later, right? But here, I said, if you didn't know this hammer was for, you could think it's for scratching your back or brushing your hair, digging salad out of your teeth. And over the years, you could have dug out some salad, scratched some itches, but you still never did what you were created to do. Uh, Think of all the buildings you could have built if you actually used your hammer what it was for. Think of what your life could be if you actually lived the life that God created you to live. That's why we're doing this series, Life on Mission. That's why we've launched this three-year plan called Pursue, because God did not create us to be passive and comfortable and lukewarm. He didn't create us just to gut it out and get by and survive, make it to the end of the road. No, he created us to be radical and alive and full of passion and purpose and meaning. We were created to run. Uh, But listen, even though we all were created that way, we all will have to fight the tendency and the temptation to to walk, uh, to settle for a life less than we really are, kind of like Abraham almost did. Uh, You know Abraham. uh, We read about him in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 12, we have that that, uh, powerful passage where God says to him, 
Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will place a curse on those who harm you and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I was reading that on the beach this week. It's like, God, I want to read something new. What should I read? He says, read this. And I'm going, okay, God, I I know this. I like this. You know, before I can go where you want me to go, I have to leave. Before I can go, I always have to leave. There's still some stuff to have to leave so I can go to be where you want me to be. Want me to be? And God goes, yeah, I know you know that. There's something else I wanted you to get here, Steve. And he reminded me of what we read in Genesis chapter 11. We read this in Genesis chapter 11. And Genesis chapter 11 actually comes before Genesis chapter 12 in most Bibles. It says, Terah uh, took his son Abram, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they sent out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to where? To Canaan, and that's like the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they did what? They settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So not a whole lot of details, but it seems like God had kind of already called them to go to Canaan a little bit earlier, but they kind of stopped short. they, They didn't really finish the journey. Matter of fact, Terah, he actually didn't make it to where he was supposed to go. He actually died in another place. And, and I think what God is saying to Abraham is saying, Abraham, you, need to, you started this journey, you need to finish it. And I think God would say the same thing to us. Yeah, you started this journey with me, so don't settle for life in Haran. Don't settle for life that is not who you are. Don't settle for life that is not on mission. Don't settle You started this thing, now you need to finish it. Maple Grove, it's not time to walk. It's not time to get comfortable. It's time to run. It's time to live our life on mission, the mission for which God created us. And I hope it doesn't really matter. (laughs) We're going to be talking about life on mission for the next 1,075 days and beyond. All right, because that's what we're pursuing. We're pursuing a life on mission. You're going to see this drawing again and again and again everywhere you go. You're going to dream about this drawing, right? It's going to haunt you in your dreams, right? Life on mission, right? And remember, a life on mission begins with belong. First, belonging to God, becoming his disciple by surrendering to him in faith, repentance, and baptism. And, and And then Belonging not just to God, but belonging to his body, to his family, to, to his church, the hope of the world. And, and living a life on mission doesn't stop at belong, but it continues and develops and expands and deepens and takes root with, with grow. And, and last week, Mark and Kemper talked about grow. And I listened to the message when it was up online. And man, those guys so knocked that sucker right out of the park. I, I think I need to take a four-week vacation. Amen? I'll take four weeks. Four weeks, they killed it. And remember, remember, grow is not automatic, right? It's not automatic. And remember that grow has one primary purpose, to make us more and more like who? Like Jesus. And that grow is possible. That's good news, right? It, you know, if we put our, it's possible if we put ourselves in the places that God has designed for growth to happen. Question, if you jump into water, you will get what? You'll get wet, right? It's just... This is how it happens. Well, if, if you put yourself in the places 
that God has designed for growth to happen, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get wet. You're going to grow. It's how God designed the system. A matter of fact, on November 15th, we're having these life on mission classes. And one of the classes will be belong. If you're not yet a member of Maple Grove, we want you to take this class on Saturday, 9 to 12. There's stuff for our kids, uh, child care and classes for our kids, 9 to 12 on that Saturday. Sign up on your connection card or online. And there's also a grow class where, where Mark and, and maybe Kemper will be the guy too. You know, they'll talk about some of the habits that, that you need to develop that will get you wet so you can grow. And, and uh, And if, you're, and if you're already a member, you need to grow that class. Everybody, right? You may think, I already growed all I need to grow. I don't need to grow no more. Well, there's someone who hasn't grown like you have grown that you may sit next to that you can upgrow like you have grown in the past so they can grow too, right? Does that make sense? Okay. And I think really what I'm trying to say as creative as I can, because I know I get ignored so often, you know, uh, uh, not really, hopefully not, um, is that Everybody needs to take these classes, everybody, because we want to be on the same page as a church, right? So that next year, after God has brought in a vast harvest, we're all talking the same language. We're not talking different things. We can say, hey, as a church, we know what we're about. We're about belonging. We're a church that begins with belong, that deepens with grow, and that expresses itself in serve. And again, you can sign up for those classes. I don't want to have to hunt you down but we have a lot of guys who work in Intel that can help me out if we need to hunt anybody down. All right, we can find you to get you into this class. All right, let's pray. God, we love you and we're honored that you would allow us into your presence, that you would wanna talk to us. And and I'm blown away that you would wanna use somebody like me to talk for you. And God, help us to hear your voice today. Uh, help, Help our hearts to be open to your truth. Help us to engage your word alive and actively. Help us not to figuratively or literally cross our arms and dare you to speak to us, but may we, may we lean on the edge of our seats knowing the creator of the universe is in the house and wants to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark writes in Mark 9, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He'll be killed. But three days later, he'll rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, so, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they've been arguing about which of them was the greatest. I mean, picture the scene. Jesus has just told his, his guys about what was going to happen to him, how he was going to be betrayed and to the hands of men, how they would kill him, and how three days later he would rise from the dead. It's only the second time he ever had this conversation with them. And the text says that, that the 12, that, that they didn't get it, they didn't understand what Jesus had said. You, you, you see, it didn't make sense to them. It didn't fit with their view of the kingdom. And notice they didn't ask for any clarification because they're afraid they might just get clarification. And they didn't want it to make sense. And after telling them about 
his betrayal and death, they head off to Capernaum, and, and, and Jesus is walking in front of them, and the 12 begin to argue with each other. And, and interestingly, they're not arguing about, hey, who do you think will betray Jesus? It better not be you. And they're not arguing about, hey, who should be the one who fights in front, front lines for, to defend our master? No, they're fighting amongst themselves after their master has shared his heart that he was about to die. Uh, they're fighting and arguing as Jesus walks ahead of them in silence. They're fighting and arguing about Who's going to be first? Who's going to be the greatest? What a sad, sad picture. And eventually they settle into the house. And then Jesus says to them, so, and already they're freaking out. What, what, what were you guys, what, what were you guys talking about? What were you guys talking about on the road? Bust it. Imagine that happened today to you, to me, to us. So, so, what were you talking about in the hallway before church with each other? Or what were you talking about at the restaurant after church? And now those who earlier were so eager to spout off the reason why their opinion should be heard, don't say a single word. Their heads are down, their eyes are lowered, they're doing anything they can to not look at Jesus. Then Jesus, the king, spoke, gentlemen, (laughs) I am so glad that you want so badly to be first, to be the greatest, to be the top camel. Someone got that over there. Thank you. Praise God. (laughs) Top dog, top camel. Yeah, I know. Someone's working with me. He says this, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the Servant of everyone. Now you would think lesson learned, right? Not so much. Check out what happens just a few days later when Jesus once again shares his heart and even goes into more detail. He says they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him. Uh, Turn around and spit on your neighbor. No kidding. (laughs) Not Not a good thing. Flog him and kill him. Don't do it. Three days later, he will rise. Again, sharing his heart. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came. Hey, hey, teacher. Yeah, we appreciate that. You're dying and getting spit on and all that. Uh, uh, we want you to do whatever we would ask of you. Uh, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand, the other at your left hand in glory. You don't know what you're asking. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John because they thought they got beaten to the punch. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man, God himself in the flesh, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, last week, Mark and Kemper said that a life on mission is a life that grows to be more and more like Jesus. Therefore, if Jesus lived a life of service, we can be certain that a life lived on mission is a life that serves. And now, as I thought about how a life lived on mission is a life that not only serves, but serves like Jesus served, five words quickly came into my mind that I want to unpack briefly this morning about serve. Humble. Available, 
thankful, faithful, and expectful. Not sure that's a word, but it should be, okay? It's never stopped me before, okay? And, and, and here, here's my hope and God's intention for this morning, that, that those at Maple Grove who are not currently serving the body will start serving the body like Jesus served. And for those who are serving the body will renew their passion to, to not only serve, not only to do something, but to serve just like Jesus served. To serve like Jesus, we must be humble. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. You've heard this before, but let it sink in. Here today, um, alive and active. Uh, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being found in appearances of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the aim, the, the goal of a life lived on mission is not simply to do acts of service, but to develop the Christ-like attitude of servanthood. You see, anybody can do acts of service, right? I mean, anyone can teach a class, keep the nursery, give blankets to the homeless, food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, money to a missionary, and it all could be done without a servant's heart. Mark Buchanan, in a great book called Your God's Too Safe, Your God's Too Safe, writes, Lonnie Sani, the founder of Navigators, was once asked how you could tell if you were really a servant. His response, by how you act, he said, when you are what? When you're treated like one. And the Buchanan, who's both an author and a pastor, goes on the right. If I'm going to be your servant, the last thing I want for you to think is that I'm a servant. No, I want to impress you with how humble I am. I want you to say, look, isn't that the pastor stacking chairs? He's, he's just like Jesus. And I think it's nothing really. I, I just saw that those chairs needed to be stacked. And hey, I thought, hey, I know how to do that. But I actually don't want you to treat me like a servant. Hey, you, after you're done stacking the chairs, could you go and clean the toilets? And No, there is no brush. You're going to have to use your hands. He writes, servanthood is a noble idea for you. Me, I'm out to get as much as I can, as fast as I can, and keep it for as long as I can. I'll do acts of service here and there, especially if it's noticed and advances my reputation but never, ever, ever, ever treat me as a servant. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute. If I actually start to serve like Jesus, people could take advantage of me and walk all over me. And it's right here that you and I stand at the crossroads of choosing to serve or choosing to serve like Jesus, a guy who he knew that, and Jesus knew this when he served them, he knew that every person he served would either deny him, betray him, or shout, crucify him, but yet he served them anyhow, and they walked all over him. You see, when it comes to simply serve, we're, we're still in charge. Therefore, we can decide who we serve, when we serve, and how we serve. And if we're in charge, we will always worry about someone taking advantage of us or stepping on us. However, when we choose to be a servant, we give up being in charge. We surrender the right to choose how and when we serve. And yeah, the fear of being taken advantage of, it's a real fear. It probably is going to happen. But what I see in Scripture is that a Christ follower is actually someone who has already chosen to be stepped on, uh, to turn the other cheek. And if you think about it, how can you hurt someone who's chosen to be stepped on? 
How can you hurt someone who, who, who knows that their ultimate and, and most important reward and applause comes not from people, but comes from God? When God says to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. They're not looking. See, we're not looking. You know, this morning, I'm trying not to, though I, though I do. I got to admit it. I, I, I'm messed up like you are, right? You know, I'm trying not to look for your applause this morning. I'm going to try not to go home and say, hey, hey, let me look Twitter and Facebook. Did anybody quote me? You know, and then someone like that quote. You know, I'm trying not, I'm hard not to do that, right? Not to want something from you. I'm trying just to serve, right? Just to serve for God's applause. And we know that, hey, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if you notice me. It doesn't matter if you applaud me because the one who matters most accepts and applauds me every single day of my life because I'm his child. Get it? To serve with Jesus, we must be humble. We also must be available. One day, Jesus is walking down the road to Jericho, and some blind men start yelling at him, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? Great question. By the way, I think he still asked that question today, and I think he would ask you that question today if he was here in person sitting right next to you. He say, hey, I know you got all dressed up, didn't have to be here. You got all dressed up, woke up, came here. I know you appreciate your extra hour sleep, but you got here for a reason. And I just want to know, Jesus looking right at you, what would you like me to do for you? How would you respond? He likes to do things for his children. Jesus stopped. And called them. You see, if we want to be used by God, we, if we want to serve God, we must be willing to stop. We must be willing to be interrupted. We must be willing to be inconvenienced. You know, as you read through the Gospels, it seems like all the ministry Jesus did, all the miracles he performed, kind of, they all happened during interruptions, times when Jesus stopped. I mean, all the people we healed, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, <laughs> even the dead, all of them were interruptions. His first miracle, interruption at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. His second miracle was on the way and when these blind men shouted at him and Scripture says Jesus stopped. I know Scripture says that we should, we should all try to follow in, 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 the, in the steps of Jesus, but what about following in the stops of Jesus? The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 33, 28, never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help him today. See, serve-hearted people don't procrastinate. They're spontaneous. They're sensitive. They say, okay, and then after a slight pause, they fight off their selfishness. Okay, oh, I don't want to do this. How do I get out of this? Okay, let's do this. I'm ready to go. What keeps us from being available? Two things. Number one is self-centeredness. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Is that hard for you to do, to forget yourself, to get over yourself? I understand, whenever we see a need right in front of us, God is giving us an opportunity to serve. Anytime we see a need in front of us, God is giving us an opportunity to serve and to serve like Jesus. The problem is that you and I, we have our own agendas, our own plans, our own dreams, our own goals, so we hang a sign on our life that says, Shh, do not disturb. 
Do not disturb my plans. Do not disturb my afternoon. Do not disturb my agenda. Do not disturb my schedule. Bottom line, to serve like Jesus, in fact, even to follow him, we must give up our selfish ways. If any of you wants to be my follower, I do, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Man, that's the verse I'm trying to get. <laughs> it, it doesn't need a whole lot of interpretation. It's my biggest struggle, me, right here, you know. One of my biggest insecurities as a pastor is I have to stand up here and talk about truths confidently that I'm still trying to grasp myself. Right? I'm telling you, hey, give up your selfish ways. And I'm like, I'm still trying to do it myself. You know, you know I, I got to preach powerful truths hoping that you'll get it. And sometimes I ain't even got it yet. And that's why pastors, we're messed up, right? We got issues. That's okay. God loves us anyhow. Uh, I, I, so being self-centered doesn't keep us from being available and also perfectionism. You know, that when, it, when it's all just right, when everything's perfect, the moon is shining, and everything's wonderful, and things settle down, then I'll serve. Ecclesiastes 11 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Would anybody like to give a testimony on that verse? Absolutely. See, Christ-like servants do the best they can with what they have for Jesus now. They, they don't wait. And let me tell you, the awesome thing about God, it's so awesome, is that our service does not have to be perfect in order for God to bless it. Okay? He doesn't need perfect service in order to bless our service. And if you think about it, all God wants is our best effort, and that's what excellence is, right? Excellence isn't being perfect. Excellence is doing your best, and it's giving your best. I mean, if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done, right, except what Jesus did. I mean, let's be honest, we admit it, we know that at Maple Grove, right, I am a messed up pastor full of messed up people, and every visitor that walks in the room is welcome and fits right in. We're messed up. We have weaknesses, we have flaws, we have failures, we have hurts, we have hang-ups, and guess what? God uses us anyway. Abraham wasn't perfect. But God used them, right? Rahab wasn't perfect, but God, but God used her. Jacob, far from perfect, but guess what? God used him. Peter, far from perfect, but guess what? God used him. You see, the key is, is simply making ourselves available to God. The key is not what we have. The key is giving what we have, even if it's just five smooth stones and a staff, the key, or, or it's, a, it's a, a sack lunch, in the feeding of 5,000, the key is not what we have, it's giving what we have to the one who breathes out stars and holds the oceans in the palms of his hands. Amen? Amen. Serve like Jesus, must be humble, available, and, and, and thankful. I'm thankful my clock went off, so it means I got all the time in the world. No, it, my, I have a counter, and it's gone. That's God saying, Steve, bring it. No. Okay, be thankful. In John chapter 11, Jesus serves God in a powerful way. His friends thinks he's, think, think that he's going to a funeral, but he's actually going there to, to raise somebody, somebody from the dead. And, and when he walked up to the tomb, he, he, he could have just prayed to God, but he prayed out loud so that you and I could, could hear, hear what he said and read it today. And uh, John records, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here and the people sitting at Maple Grove on October the 
no, November the 2nd, 2014. I want them to know that I am thankful that you heard me. Listen, Jesus had an attitude of thankfulness in everything that he did. Now you may be thinking, I'd be thankful too if I could raise people from the dead. That'd be really sweet. But listen, Jesus was thankful and grateful in the tough times. He was grateful when he was crucified. He was grateful when things were not easy. Bottom line, gratitude was the attitude that led his service. Gratitude was the attitude that led his service. It was Paul's attitude as well. Paul said in in, in Acts, he says, I thank Jesus Christ because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Gave me this work of serving him. The psalmist says, serve the Lord with what? Serve the Lord with? Serve the Lord with? Serve the Lord with? You ain't glad yet. Serve the Lord with? (laughs) And and why do we serve God with thankfulness and not out of duty and, and not of obligation? Two reasons I can think of off the bat. Uh, number one, because we're thankful because he saved us. And if Jesus never did another thing for us and to pay our debt and guarantee our future in heaven, we have all the reason we ever would need to serve him with thankfulness. And number two, because we get to be a part of something so absolutely linking. <laughs> okay. That's my own word. At, who can help me out? Abso stinking lootly. Abso stinking lootly awesome, right? We get to be part of something really awesome his church, his body, his bride. The alt, I, I love football, the ultimate championship team. A team that's already won the Stanley Cup, right? It's already put on that green jacket at the Masters, right? It it already is holding up the Vince Lombardi. We get to be a part of that team. You know, if I got a phone call right now on my phone. Yeah, Bill? Hey, yeah, how are things up there? Yeah, I know. I know the Broncos are coming to town. Oh, you need me up there? Charter flight is right up there at Cho. Okay, I'll be there in 10, right? If that was the New England Patriots saying, Steve, we want you to be a part of our organization, I'd be like, are you kidding me? It'd be awesome. But you know what's more awesome? To be a part of his church. Be part of, a be part of a championship team that changes where people spend forever. Be part of a team where, where, where broken people are put back together again. To be part of a team where hope is given to the hopeless. To be part of a team uh, that defeats the strongholds of the evil one. Now there's one big barrier that you and I have to serving God with thankfulness, and it's this, Comparison. Okay, picture the scene, picture the scene. It's your 16th birthday. Imagine that. Now, I'll give everybody time to get there, okay? Imagine back, I'm not there yet. I'm getting closer, okay? 16th birthday, right? Okay, some of us, okay, I'm there. I'll wait for the rest of (laughs) y'all. Okay, and and you don't even think you're gonna have a birthday party, but your mom and dad, they kind of like, hey, surprise you, great birthday party. They take you in the garage when it's done, and they show you it's it's a 2005 Honda Civic, it, it, it has 80,000 miles on it. There's a picture right there. And he say, it's all yours. You're like, you're like the best mom and dad ever, man. And you're driving that thing around. You're so excited driving to school the next day until your friend dries up, who turned 16 also, in that. <laughs> a 2015 convertible Mustang. And all of a sudden, you're not so thankful anymore. You're like, it's, you, you look at your car that you 
or just Jesus, thank you for this Honda Civic. You're like, you piece of junk. It's not fair. I understand nothing kills our thankfulness in serving God quicker and shorter than comparison. Ask a guy named King Saul, right? He's a pretty good guy, pretty good military leader. You know, I, I, one day there was a, a hit song, right? Saul has killed his thousands. That's pretty awesome. Until another guy came on board who could kill tens of thousands. And that became the number one song on YouTube, right? Went viral, and, and, and Saul freaked out. He says, this made Saul very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with 10,000. And I don't get credit for thousands. It's not fair. Why can't I be David? Why can't I be? I, can't, I was here first, right? That's what he did. <laughs> I know. I've been on vacation. Sorry. It's the sun, okay? See, comparison is when you focus more on what you don't have than what you do have. See, I understand. You may not want to write this down. We, we tend, I tend. To undervalue, to undervalue what we, excuse me, let me reword that. We, we, I tend to overvalue what I'm not. Overvalue what I'm not and undervalue what I am. And that's not from God, that's from the enemy. I just started reading a book where the author talks about this very thing of comparison. He says, nothing can kill contentment and feed insecurity like comparison. And now more than any other time in history, we live in a culture of incessant comparison. We have instant access to the lives of those we know, those we don't, those we can't stand, those we wish we were, those we'd give anything to measure up to. Well, we don't exactly have access to their lives. We have access to the parts of their lives they'd like us to see. And he's right, isn't he? I mean, Facebook, right? I'll, I'll use Facebook, but I mean, Nobody, nobody posts the real deal, right? It's like, here is my perfect dinner. It wasn't that good, you know? Here is our perfect family vacation. You know, here is my perfect family on our trip to Disneyland. It was so wonderful. I do the same thing. Here's some of my perfect posts. There is your pastor on the beach in Florida seeking God. A, a, a carefully choreographed pose. He even took his pursuit bracelet off, off so you can know that even on vacation, our pastor is seeking to encounter God, right? And, and, and look at this pastor's family in the ocean. Is there just dancing and frolicking, you know? <laughs> Here's a picture I didn't post, my Dairy Queen meltdown. Driving home, right? But making turns for home. You know, stopping at Dairy Queen. I, I love my kids. Let's get some ice cream. Till Gentile says, I said, dude, this is the go. I want a banana split. He goes, I said, dude, you can't take that to go. And he didn't rejoice over it. <laughs> of my decision. The counter girls are going, when he, when he lowers his head, aw. And I'm just, my eyebrows just like hit the ceiling of the store. I'm saying, dude, I'll tell you what. Tell you what. <laughs> I'll get you that banana split. But if you spill it, prepare to have your butt whipped, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I didn't post that. <laughs> here is me having a meltdown, being an idiot. No, here's me on the beach. Oh, God, you speak to me. His voice is so clear. 
you know. Now, me and Gentile made up, as I always do, because I screw up so often. I'm sorry for being an idiot. And, you know, how stupid, right? A banana split, and I'm going to do that. You know, but, but, but we live in this age. We compare everything, right? I, I thought my car was good until I saw that. I kind of liked my house, then I saw that. I thought I had a good vacation, but now that I hear where you went, I'm not feeling so good about it. But listen, we're seeing everybody's highlight reel, Right? Yeah, that's all they're showing us, and, and but we know our behind-the-scenes stuff, and, but don't be fooled by that stuff, okay? Don't be fooled by that stuff. Comparison, it can absolutely kill you, and it, can, it causes you not to serve God. See, we ne- need to spend more time focusing on what, not on what we're not good at, but on what we're good at, on the things that God designed us for. I mean, what if the moon, like, really got ticked off? So you know what? I've been hanging out here for a long time. And I'm tired of just being a reflection. I want to be the sun. I don't want to do, yeah, that, that wouldn't work. You know, he had a job to do. The moon has a job to do, all right? And you know, there's, I've come to the conclusion there's certain things that I'm not good at. I'll never build a house if I expect to live in it. Not, never, that, that would be a really big mistake. <laughs> you know, I, I will never sing in the praise team. I can just overcome the praise team by singing loud out there, which I do rather well. You know, it's it, it just the way it is. You know, I, I got, hey, here's how God made me, and, and here's who I, I need to be. I got to be satisfied in the role that God gave me to be. You know, whether I'm, whether I'm just a reflection, you know. I'm going to show you some names real quick. Anybody recognize any of those names? Orlando Franklin. That's not the baseball player, by the way. Man Rears, Chris Clark, Ryan Claddy, Louis Vasquez. They got a really important job. Here's what they do. They're the offensive line. For, and and I, I, I did this to show, even though I'm partial, I'm not totally partial, you know, because Tom Brady is great, but I showed this, I'm not totally partial. You know, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They're his offensive line. Where, where would Peyton be without him, right? Would he set those records last year? Well, these guys are saying, you know what? I'm tired of people only seeing my butt, right? That's all they see. Manning gets all the glory, and no one knows what we're doing. But it doesn't matter because they're doing it for the team, right? We all have a part to play. And if God gave us that part, it gets the same glory, right? Moses didn't get any more glory than David. David didn't get any glory than Matthias. What did he do? I don't know what he did, but he did what God wanted to do, and he brought God glory. Does that make sense? Find out who God made you to be and be it. Find out what God made you to do and do it and enjoy the journey along the way. We got to get going, Steve. Faithful. What does it mean? It means we don't give up. It means we keep going and we don't quit in the middle of our assignment. Jesus said, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. He didn't give us that work. He gave Jesus. He said, I did the work that you gave me to do. Paul said the same thing, right? Paul said the, the very same thing in Acts 20. He says, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Paul says, hey, you gave me something to do. I got to do it. My job wasn't Paul. I'm not going to write a bunch of books of the New Testament. That was Paul's job. But God has given every person a job to do. And in God's eyes, every job is as important as the other. Romans 12 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God is giving us different gifts for doing certain things well. So hey, y'all got different things you can do well. And they're all important. We, yeah, we need people who are working in children's ministry right now. Uh, we, we need people who, who are back there setting up communion. We, we need people who are crunching the numbers, right, preparing budgets and doing that stuff. We need all kinds of people doing all kinds of things well that God is giving them that ability to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We're not all doing the same thing. We're not all offensive linemen. We're not all Peyton Manning. Yeah, this week I was thinking about you know, one of the most beautiful sights to me besides a beach is this. Right there, that's beautiful. Whenever I see that, that's the USS Woodrow Wilson. SSBN, SSBN 624. And very special person or lady in my life is that sub. And I did a throwback Thursday. I did a throwback Thursday picture. And that's a good looking guy right there. Cat Moore's not too bad either, you know, but that's me getting my dolphins. And I was thinking about that as I thought about this thing. You know, you know I had a job that there's 115 guys on that sub, all did different things, right? Not, not everybody was a captain. Uh, not everybody sat behind the electrical panel. Uh, not everybody raised and, rolled, raised and lowered the rods. Uh, not, not everybody steered the planes. Uh, not everybody was in the radio room or in the sonar room. You know, not everybody cooked food. Not everyone was a corpsman. Not, not everyone worked down in the missile compartment. They all had different jobs for the greater mission. And God has designed church the same way. We all have a job. We all have a function in this. Paul, Paul writes this. We're, we're getting really close, um, really. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, the leadership. Here's our job. To equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, what's the job of the leaders? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We all got something to do, and everything's important. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's for God helping his kingdom, it doesn't matter whether you're steering the sub or, or whether you're cooking the meals. It's all important stuff and the job of leadership. And we're about to get really serious about this. You know, in my opinion, and I'm a leader, okay, we've done a really lousy job at this, you know, of equipping people for works of service. If you want to serve at our church, fill out a connection card, drop it in the plate, and that's, you know, but, 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 that, but see, that's yesterday, right? This is day 22 of Pursue, and part of Pursue, right, is serve. And on January the 10th, 2015, we're having a life mission class called on serve, where we're going to talk about what it means to serve. You know, what are spiritual gifts? We're going to talk about your shape, how God has taken your spiritual gifts. He's taken your heart, the things that you're passionate about. He's taken your abilities. He's taken your unique personality and your life experience, all different. How God has used those five things to shape you to do something in this world and in His church for His glory. Okay, so we're going to get real serious about, hey, man, what if we all were just doing what God has created us to do? To serve like Jesus, we must be humble and, and thankful. Finally, we must be expectful. And it's, I kept trying to find if that's a word or not. Yeah, well, our word is expectful then. <laughs> see, see I, I saw Google, some, some people use it, not just me. 
okay? You got a Malona's right banner right there. Expectful because it fits. I like it. Because it's full of expect, right? You know, <laughs> we, want to, we want to serve expectful, expecting, right? Expecting, hey, you know, when I, when I begin serving God, it will bring joy into my life. When I begin serving God, it'll bring meaning and purpose and satisfaction. When I begin serving God, it'll bring growth and impact. When I begin serving God, it'll it'll make a difference in the body of Christ where I'm at. When I begin serving God, it it will bring him glory. It will will create things. It'll help me become the person that God wants me to be. Uh, When I begin serving God, it, it it will make Maple Grove, a lean, mean, Satan-fighting, darkness-lighting, life-changing machine. And, and, and other people have found this out as well, not just me, people in their own body, serving all the time, but just hear what some of your own folks have said. Hey, here's the difference that's serving, right? Not just sitting. God, we're good at that. God says, I didn't call you to sit. I called you to serve in my kingdom. Check this out. Amen. Amen. You know, we have, a, you know, we have a great bunch of servants in Maple Grove. If you're visiting with us, say, we're a church that, that doesn't have their act together, but we're trying to. Uh, we're a church made of imperfect people who follow a, the perfect risen Savior. And we're a church who's trying to get on mission. And we know that, that, that being a life on mission, it, it begins with belong, it deepens with grow, it, it, it expresses itself and, and serve, and, it, and that it unleashes the goodness and power of God as we engage the world, which we'll begin talking about next week. And, and, and you know what? It, 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 it's an exciting journey we're on. We're glad that you're here. And, and we know the, thing, the one that's going to make it possible is God, right? You know, and I just want to encourage you with something in 30 seconds you know, as we read this week, you know, the Mary and Martha thing, right? You know, Martha distracted, troubled about a bunch of stuff. You trouble about a bunch of stuff, right? How do I get this done? How am I going to overcome this? And, and, and yet, yet Mary's just like chilling out at the feet of Jesus. And, and Jesus said, hey, you know what? Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. You know, only one thing is really essential. You get that thing right, everything else will be a whole lot better. And, you know, sit at my feet. Be alive and active and engaged in my truth. And everything will work out you know, through my glory and my power and my energy. And so we're, we're going to sing a song right here. And, you know, if, if you, if you uh, need to make a decision to surrender to Christ and, and baptism, you want to talk about what it means to belong to him, we can talk about that. You need prayer. Um, but we want to celebrate right now believing. Um, it's a new song for us here. Um, one of my, 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 my favorite uh, Christian musicians, Christian Stanfield. Um, but the God reigns, you know, and... and, and you know, sometimes being the church that God wants us to be, when I look at myself, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't even I see a half a fish and a piece of moldy bread. And like, you're kidding me. You, you want us to be a church of impact? God, all I got is this half eating fish and moldy crust of bread. But all things are possible with God. God wants to move in this church so that we become a place of healing and hope in our community and beyond. And he's what makes all things possible. And he's the one who's reigning. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we love you. We praise you. And God, we know that in all things, no matter what we face, that you're the one who reigns, that you're the one who rules. And God, I pray that right now we'll just worship you in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.